Oops. So I should have known last week when Kyle said I look like a dog that we'd start this service or at least my preaching part with who let the dogs out. But, you know, and if you missed it, sorry, I I can't go backwards. I can't go backwards. But uh, anyway, uh, it is our dog days of summer. And we are excited to kind of start journeying with you a little bit and understand how, I'm going to say personality traits, um, influence our walk. And particularly some of the events perhaps surrounding our furry babies, as Charles called them at some point. But anyway, it's, it's just going to be fun. And at this time, I invite you to stand for our lesson. It's in the book of Acts in chapter 19. And Just a brief word about what's going on here. Paul is in Ephesus, which is current Turkey. He's on the Aegean Sea, and he's um, spreading the gospel. He's doing what the Holy Spirit has led him to do, spreading the gospel. Just before this text that I'm about to read, um, there's been a book burning with books of magic, sorcery, that the people now find no longer acceptable as they have come to Christ. And then following this text, there's going to be a riot in the marketplace, because what was going on in the marketplace is no longer acceptable for those who've chosen the way of Christ. So, so this, is, um, this text is bookended by those two events. So hear now the word of God. Now, after these things had been accomplished, Paul resolved in the spirit to go to Macedonia and Achaia, and then on to Jerusalem. He said, after I have gone there, I must also go to Rome. So he sent two of his disciples, Timothy and Erastus, to Macedonia, while he himself stayed a little longer in Asia, modern-day Turkey. About that time, no little distance broke out, no little disturbance broke out concerning the way. A man named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought no little business to his artisans. These he gathered together with the workers of the same trade and said to them, Men, you know that we get our wealth from this business. You also see and hear that not only in Ephesus, but also in the whole of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and drawn away a considerable number of people by saying that gods made with hands are not gods. And there is danger, not only to our trade, that it may come in disrepute, but also to the temple of our great goddess Artemis, that she will be scorned and she will be deprived of her majesty that brought all the world of Asia here to worship her. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. And let us pray. Gracious God, we pray once again that you would descend upon us with your Holy Spirit and stir us up. Interrupt our lives with your power as often as you need to, Lord. Get our attention. Help us to understand how it is your Spirit changes everything. For it's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen. So I'll start off our dog days with a little bit about my dog, Homer. You've seen his picture. Homer is an eight-month-old Bernadoodle, which means he's Bernie's mountain dog. And Poodle, yes, he's going to be big. 
We're hoping not too big. But he came into our lives by way of circumstances, and I want to share with you that I also cannot speak of Homer without feeling like I need to talk about Frasier, our 15-year-old Brittany Spaniel. It just feels a little like a betrayal. We lost Frasier at the beginning of this year, a 15-year-old dog, and I'm from Georgia, I say dog. And here comes Homer disruptive, interruptive. We had a 15-year-old dog. Remember, we were used to kind of low-key canines at this point, and here comes Homer, ready to go all the time. Homer loves to um, get into things. If we don't close our closet door, he gets in there and gets shoes, right? We all know that, that stereotype with puppy dogs and this is what Homer does that's unique he will stick as much of his head as he can get in into the toilet and then pull it out and shake it around Uh, it's disgusting and we've learned to take precautions I don't know what it is anyway he loves our recycling bin gets into that tears up paper and now it took us about that long to catch on and to take preventative measures and to make sure doors are shut and, and bins are put up. But he still, somebody will forget something, and Homer gets in. Interrupting, disrupting the normal flow of our household. Now, we love Homer most of the time. <laughs> He's a good dog. He's doing what dogs are supposed to do, right? That, that's what dogs do. We'll get to this a little bit later in our series, but you got to train them. you got to help them learn to, to, to do and be otherwise. But, but for now, we're just doing interruptions and disruptions, and, and dogs are that. They're attention hogs. They walk into a room, and the air changes. I mean, everything shifts, especially perhaps when a puppy dog's around. So how are we going to connect this to the gospel? How are we going to talk about dogs when we're talking about a sacred word? How are we going to talk about how dogs influence our lives when we're talking about Paul and and the Ephesians and all of that? How is it that we start to understand some of how the everydayness of our lives can help us learn just a little bit more about this way that we're on. Our text referred to the people of the way. That's what the early Christians were called. They didn't have a name for themselves at this point. They were called people of the way. And so how is it as we daily make our way in this world, do we realize that our relationship with Christ necessitates, mandates, calls upon us to live differently, to be holy other, to seek first the kingdom of God. Not just so everything else will be given to us like the song says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God because when we do that, we are on the way, trying to be faithful as we go. So for a good bit of this series, we're going to be in the book of Ephesians. That's Paul's letter to the churches at Ephesus. So I thought it would be helpful for us to start in Ephesus. 
and to consider a little bit about how Paul's engagement, early engagement there, began to change the world. Because here's this. When the gospel gets a hold of believers, it's not just the believer that changes. It's the world around us. And if we don't believe that, we're setting our expectations way too low. God help us to believe that the power of the Holy Spirit makes the difference for all people as it works in and through us. So Paul shows up in Ephesus, right? And disrupts the way these folks have been living. Paul shows up in Ephesus and threatens, get this, you know these are fighting terms. Paul shows up in Ephesus and threatens commerce. Now he's got their attention. Now he's messing with their business. Now he's messing with the livelihood. Not Paul, but the spirit and the gospel that he teaches. Now he's got their attention. And they're on high alert. He messes with their commerce. He messes with their religion. These are pagans. These are folks who turn to other gods. And when we hear from this silversmith in this text, he is responsible for both. Paul's messing not only with his livelihood, but also the religion that provides his livelihood. He's making the statues for Artemis. He's really messing with this guy. He's really shaking things up, interrupting, being disruptive from what this guy wants to do in the world. So again, Ephesus is a huge success story for Paul. The most effective churches you can tell because a lot of people are coming to Christ. So many, so that the, the commerce has changed. So just a little bit of background. Um, we know that the book of Acts is really part two from the book of Luke. Or now you do. Now you know. Luke is written by Luke, a physician, of course, and it is written to share the good news of Jesus Christ with the world, to tell everybody about Jesus, to give Luke's firsthand experience of how Christ came into this world and not only died and rose again, but all the teaching up until that point, preparing us for what would come after and so Paul, uh, Luke, is, is teaching this word about Jesus in the first part of Luke. And then we have the second part of Luke called the book of Acts. And it's called that because it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Jesus ascends into heaven at the end of Luke and sends the Holy Spirit into the world, igniting this movement. Because if Jesus had just ascended and that was the end of the story, so What? And so he sent the Holy Spirit into the world and, and we begin to understand as Luke recounts the story that the Spirit changes everybody when the Spirit gets a hold. The Spirit makes things different as he works the way of Christ into our everyday lives. And so Paul himself was struck to the ground while he was simply just on his way to work doing what he was doing, persecuting Christians was his job. And he was struck to the ground and he was struck blind. And when he got up, he followed the Spirit's leading. And in a few days, the scales fell away from his eyes and he saw the world completely differently. 
And he knew that the way that he had been going would be changed by the way of Jesus Christ. And so Paul became one of the first missionaries of the gospel. Again, going mostly into Asia. We hear here he wants to get to Rome. He's on the move. Because the Spirit has changed his life and he knows that he must then be part of the Spirit changing the world So Paul's on, Paul's got it. He's leading people to Christ there in Ephesus. And we come to this text now, as I said, he had disrupted things in Ephesus. This city in Turkey was a a, um, commercial center. It was a center of commerce with the sea trade. It was on the Aegean Sea. Now it's six miles inward. The world has changed land mass wise. And so now it's six miles inward. But anyways, a commerce center, it was a center of pagan worship. People came, as we heard, from all over Asia to worship different gods and goddesses. And so the world is showing up in Ephesus and and Paul begins to stir it up and make people know that when the spirit disrupts your life, it's not just about a one-time moment conversion. When the Spirit of God gets a hold of our hearts, it's not just one event on one day of one month of one year. That's absolutely the beginning. But then the Spirit will continue to disrupt and interrupt, hopefully in ways that we'll pay attention to. Hopefully in ways that will cause us to follow, ignite us as well. And so we see how the Spirit has affected things in Ephesus. We see the ripple effects of what God is doing in this world. God has brought people through the power of the Spirit to believe in Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, they don't want to spend their money on statues anymore. Imagine. All of a sudden, it's not the silver trade that interests them because they're not going to the goddess Artemis' temple. They have no souvenirs to buy for when they leave Ephesus to create shrines in their room. They have no tr- in their homes. They have no tributes to buy to put at Artemis's feet. They're done with that. And they're moving on because of the way that the Holy Spirit has infected their lives. And, and so we come into this point. And I know most of us don't have little Artemis goddesses sitting in our rooms, do we? Or sitting in our homes. We don't make pilgrimages if we travel to Turkey or Greece or wherever. You have those beautiful you know, um, remains of, of God and goddess worship, some in Rome or Italy. Anyway, we don't do that anymore. We get that. We, we don't participate in that. But I'm here to ask you, what do you do when you begin to realize what Paul has done to Ephesus, when you begin to realize that we worship gods that are not made with human, that are made with human hands. Demetrius says this Paul is spreading a word and that word is that we are not to worship gods that are made with human hands because they aren't gods at all. And as we go through this series, as we reflect on our lives, on our daily walk, on the way that we are following Christ, the question is one of self-reflection. What gods, goddesses, what trinkets, what commerce? Where are we bending the knee? What in our lives takes precedent over the Spirit's leading? 
What in our lives takes precedent over the way God's spirit has infected us, shaken us up? I know Methodists don't get all hot and bothered about things often enough. I know that. But y'all, do we get the enormity of what the spirit's doing? And the ripple effects of how what the Spirit does in the lives of believers changes the world? Again, don't set your expectations too low. God is getting in and needling us and asking us to reconsider, to re-understand, to try to examine ourselves, understanding the gods that we've created with our own hands that aren't really gods at all. Now, I could go on with this story and hold up a couple of those gods. I could talk about how we spend our money. Not not me, Paul. Paul says that. How is it we are spending our money? We got some budget issues going on in the church. It'd be a great time to talk about that. Not where the Spirit's leading me this morning. We could talk about other gods that we create in our lives. We could talk about how it is that we let time management become our God when we don't pay attention, how our priorities are seen in and what we do with our time and our money. That's not where the Spirit's leading. I think what has become most disruptive in my heart is the children at the border. And are we so in love with our own comfort? Are we so in love with our own version of our, the stories that we hear on our own TV stations that we don't realize that one child living in filth is one too many? And I can't give you answers about everything that has led up to this. I'm not pointing fingers, although I want to. What matters in the lives of the believers is what we do now for the least of those among us. Perhaps embodied in those pictures we see on TV, but certainly not just at the border in our community, our state, our country, our world. What are we doing? How is the Spirit messing with our hearts, people? And for you, it may be something else, but let the Spirit mess around. Because that's where this world begins to change. At least that's how it's been when the Spirit's been let loose. It breaks my heart when I see, and I know why they do it. Of course, they have to do it. They fuzzy up the child's face on TV yet again, dehumanizing kid we argue sometimes I think we let our arguments get all our energy (laughs) and all our finger pointing get all our energy again we can talk about that some other time but God help us if one child is not too many one child suffering in any way How is it that God's spirit is shaking us up, asking us to do differently, telling us to quit spending our energy, our time, our money, whatever it is, the little gods or goddesses that we create and saying enough. Pay attention to what I pay attention to. I'm not talking politics. I'm talking spiritual issues. 
when the least among us suffer. I'm talking that's between Jesus and me. That's between Jesus and us. What do we do? How has our life changed from that moment we said we're going to follow the way of Christ up until this one? And perhaps the better question is, what are we going to do if that spirit's messing around in our lives from here on out? What is the response of the people of God simply to suffering? Have we erected temples that keep us from seeing outside our own doors and windows? Have we put gods and goddesses in our line of vision that we can point our fingers at and say, enough with them, enough with them? No, that's... How is it, people of God, that we are different because of the moment we said yes to Christ? And because of the moment we get up every morning and say, not my way, God, but yours. The moment when we get, go out the, this door and say, not my way, Jesus, but yours. The moment that we say every hour, every minute, every day, perhaps I'm surrendering all of it. My loyalties, my allegiances, my trade, my business, if it's not holy. Because of the way that God asks me to live. Because of the way the Holy Spirit empowers me to live, no more excuses. He's messing around with us, got to do something about this Paul. He's making us think differently about the way and how we walk in it. He's, make, he's messing with the community. Thank you, Lord. Just help us to get busy with you. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, we're so grateful for the times when you break our hearts. For perhaps those are the times you find your way in them again and again and again. God, help us this day to surrender to your way all of our loyalties, all of our allegiances, all of ourselves that would lead us away from you. And help us to follow and to be faithful to give thanks for the moment when we said yes, and Lord, to pray for the power for every moment thereafter to continue in that yes. Stir us up. Amen. <laughs>